feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And the migrant crisis is out of control, not just in New York City, but around the country. And in just a few moments, we're going to be talking to Joanne Ariola. She is a New York City councilwoman whose district is right near what looks like it's going to be one of the biggest migrant shelters ever. It is being called the Mega Migrant Camp. Basically, a base camp. And she also feels a bit hoodwinked, if you will, by the governor of New York because she feels like the governor basically said, you know what? You don't have to worry about this. Isn't going to be a problem in your district. And surprise, 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 it looks like things are changing awfully quickly. And the fact that the migrant crisis has become such an enormous issue. It is devastating so many New York City areas, and also it's hitting every service in the city. I mean, it has become widespread. New York City Mayor Eric Adams came out, and I was talking with him yesterday, and he said that every service in the city basically is going to have a 15% cut. That's an enormous amount. 5% 5% very soon, another 5% later, and another 5% later. And that also includes overtime for police officers. So now there are so many reports that police officers may be leaving in droves because why do they want to stay in New York City? Many of them, if they can retire, they want to retire early. Because if they can't get the overtime paid, they don't get paid that much to put their lives on the line in New York City, which is like a war zone these days. So you got that. You got also cutbacks happening in many of the fire departments. That's a risky proposition. That's a problem. That's an issue. And so for all of those different reasons, you have to believe that it's just not a good place to be a cop or to be a firefighter or to be a civil servant in New York. When you think about it, if they're going to be cutting back to 15 percent, you would think this is like going to be bare bones. And this is as people are fleeing New York City. So you got people leaving New York City. So less tax money coming in by far. In fact, some of the big tax earners have said, forget it. You know, after COVID, they were like, you know what? It ain't worth it. All the businesses are shut down, crime on the rise, marijuana everywhere. You got all this combination and you got just an atmosphere that doesn't seem very business friendly. So they're leaving in droves. Taxpayer dollars is leaving in droves. And you want to bring in then suddenly 100,000 plus migrants. That's what they're telling us. That is about 110. I believe it's probably a lot more. But you got 110. And then you're saying, guess who's paying for that? The few of you that have remained. Doesn't that sound like a fair deal? I am being so facetious because this, to me, is just 
the epitome of insanity. How can a city sustain itself? How can any city, not just New York City, sustain itself? This, to me, is crazy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is a little bit from Eric Adams saying about the impact that it's going to have on New York City. Take a listen. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. Well, that is not a good scene to be in. And who does he blame? Everybody else but himself. Again, he put on the whole neon sign and said, come on in, everybody. And now he wonders why they came on in. Maybe it's the free hotel. Maybe it's the free food. Maybe it's the free cell phone. And at what point does New York City break? Well, there was also reports that at Floyd Bennett Field, which is an old airfield, that at that location, they were planning potentially maybe to do a migrant shelter. At first, they said it might be a few hundred. Now there's word there might be 7,000. And the story on whether it was going to happen or not, that's a whole other backstory. And joining us now to talk about all of that and why it is definitely going to be a scene of major demonstrations in the next few days is New York City Councilwoman Joanne Ariola. Uh, Councilwoman, uh, great to have you here on the show. I got to get your reaction because I know your district literally is adjacent to where Floyd Bennett Field is essentially, what there's a bridge that connects the two. Talk about your concerns. Thank you, Rita. Thank you for giving me the time and allowing me the time to talk about this issue. So there is one bridge, it's a walking bridge and, and cars as well, that separate my district from Floyd Bennett Field. And when you're talking about Governor Hochul um, asking the president to put 7,500 single men at Floyd Bennett Field in a migrant base camp, you're literally putting an army of men that have been unvetted. We don't know their country of origin. We don't know if they committed a crime. We don't know uh, why they've come here. Are they seeking asylum? We cannot see the forest from the trees because we're getting 10,000 migrants a, a week. And the mayor said it himself, and you played the clip. He said, never before has he ever not seen the end or a solution to a problem until now. We do have over 110,000 migrants. We cannot sustain it any longer. Let me ask you about the backstory, too, uh, because you put this out on Facebook, uh, that what, you thought from indications from the governor maybe it wasn't going to happen and then suddenly, uh, guess what? You find out that they're doing a lease. You tried to meet with her. Talk about some of the efforts you've been doing to try to block this. From the moment that we started to hear that our federal historic park, whether it's Wadsworth or Tilden or, or Floyd Bennett, were going to be used, we immediately, I belong to the Common Sense Caucus in the city council led by Joe Borelli and, and Bob Holden, and it's a bipartisan uh, caucus. And we started to write letters 
to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, saying you cannot desecrate our our federal properties. And you know what? In return, we got crickets, no answer. Then I partnered with an assemblywoman who is the representative for Floyd Bennett Field. Uh, she represents them in the assembly. Her name is Jamie Williams. I signed on to her letter. Within a few days, we were able to get a meeting, not with the governor, but with her staff. And we had the letter set out definite questions that we needed answers for. And I'll tell you what, they had no answers. Everything was, we'll get back to you. I don't know. We'll get back to you. I don't know. So we were waiting for those answers. And yesterday, I uh, called Governor Hochul's office again, saying we need a follow-up meeting and was told we don't need a follow-up meeting because there's been no change regarding Floyd Bennett Field. Then it was tweeted today that the White House expects that there will be finalized lease between the state and the federal government with the hope, they're using very vague words, hope of either today, tomorrow, or the next day. But we're just not having it. We are going to have tomorrow a press conference in front of uh, Floyd Bennett Field, the opening of Floyd Bennett Field, the entrance, and we will be putting in an injunction to stop this from happening. Would any other state allow their federal historic properties, their parkland, to house migrant base camps? Would they do it at Yellowstone? Would they do it at the Grand Canyon? No way. So why are these any different? Yeah, what, why do you think and why do you think they have chosen this, just as you said, and to describe to everybody in our audience across the country, Councilwoman, Floyd Bennett Field is an old airfield. It's a big location. And the fact that they're talking about it being originally, again, it was just a few hundred. Now I've heard 7,000. It's a big location. Just you described it as a migrant base camp. I sadly think that that's where it's going. I mean, if you look at... The mayor has said that he doesn't see an end in sight. I don't see an end in sight until this president plugs the border, and I don't see him doing it anytime soon, which means that maybe that whole airfield is eventually going to be covered in tents or whatever else. And what's going to happen when it gets cold, when the weather gets cold? Well, this, these are the questions, and these are the questions that I posed when I wrote a letter to Reed Nelson, the executive director of the National Advisory Council on Historic Preservation. It is their job to make sure that whenever a, a historically preserved land like Floyd Bennett Field has community input in environmental impact studies, none of which was done. And this is this field has has the potential the potential of flooding, even with the slightest rain. We went there a few weeks ago after a rally. There was a light rain. I was up to my ankles in in water. Uh, Assemblymember Williams went there just a few days later and, and actually the other night yesterday, and she was up to her ankles in water. If we get any type of major storm, which we more than likely will in this hurricane season, they're going to wind up spending hundreds of millions of dollars to put a base camp up only to take it down because people will be at risk because it is in a very low flood zone. It's not safe. Those those um, those uh, uh, those areas that they want to use get flooded immediately. You also have on that property you have counterterrorism, 
you have our our um, helicopter fleet, you have DSNY training center, you have a marine base, you have aviator sports complex, you have um, you have groups that come in and hand out food for people who are who are uh, experiencing food insecurity. How is this going to continue if we have 7,500 men on that property? And that's unsustainable. And by the way, uh, there is a beach really close by. Describe why this is such a nightmare. Just as you said, it is expected to be single adult men who have not been vetted. By the way, we don't know their criminal history. There's no way to know what their criminal history is from their home country, which is all over the world, as we know. Uh, but it's right across the way, right from a beach. Where, what, are you going to see women in bathing suits and kids in bathing suits? And then you got single adult men not far away. Just kind of describe the scene, Councilwoman. So Floyd Bennett is surrounded by water on the majority, on the, on the um, I guess, the eastern border of Floyd Bennett. There's fishermen that go there. This, this is all utilized. There's kayaking there. And it floods all the time. Now, once the migrants get there, and again, we don't know if they're seeking asylum or they're here illegally. We don't know because we're too busy thinking about giving them work authorizations instead of saying, no, what we have to do is reactivate ICE, secure our borders. And, and really, that's why I always kind of go a little bit harder on Biden and Hochul, because unless they do something at the borders, unless the Biden administration starts to close the borders and have judges at those borders like they used to be that would separate the asylum seekers from those trying to enter our our country illegally, we're never going to get out from under this. In fact, we went from originally 15,000 migrants that were here, we're over 110,000. It's actually gotten so far ahead of us that our own mayor is saying he doesn't see an end to it or, or any type of solution to the problem. That is an issue. And that's an issue that I'd like to help solve by saying to President Biden and Kathy Hochul, it's not enough to send us money. You can send money. You can send hundreds of millions of dollars to help us get out of debt. But if we don't close the borders, it'll be like having a bucket, filling it with water that has a hole in it. It is never going to be enough. Yeah, no, you're right. There is no end in sight. And the other issue is, too, is if you push for the work permits, And like you said, keep getting more money. It actually incentivizes uh, more of them to come. And it doesn't stop the process. It doesn't change the vetting or the lack thereof. There are so many questions. I'm glad that you are raising the alarm because this needs to happen. It is an enormous, enormous issue. It's right there, as you know, near your neighborhood, right smack uh, with that connecting Mm -hmm. bridge. And the fact that it seems to be done so surreptitiously, and this is going to be an enormous, enormous shelter. Uh, this is, I think, a very serious issue. And you got to keep us posted what happens with the injunction and the press conference. New York City Councilwoman Joanne Ariola, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Rita, for the time. Be well. You're welcome. You too. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. You just heard from Joanne Ariola, who's right there on the front lines and fighting this, understandably, what looks like will be a bigger tsunami, not just a financial tsunami, but a tsunami of migrants right there, basically, almost in her backyard. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls when we come back. 
The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. New York City Councilwoman Joanne Ariola talking about a migrant mega shelter that's going up right near her district. They are expecting thousands upon thousands of single adult males. And Mayor Adams of New York, at least he's been sounding the alarm. And guess what? Uh, the administration isn't happy when he has. Uh, they basically removed him. From the Biden campaign committee, not that that's a high honor these days, but they removed him from the campaign committee for speaking out when he said, hey, plug the plug the border. They don't want to hear anything, which is crazy. And then he also revealed a few hours ago that he actually hasn't talked to Biden in months uh, since he really has voiced concern a lot about the migrant influx. I'm glad at least he's speaking out. I wish he would actually call out Biden by name. I think a lot of Democrats should actually do that. Uh, but at least he is trying to sound the alarm a little bit. Uh, but here he is earlier today uh, talking about the distance between him and the White House since he's been talking out. When was the last time you talked to President Biden about the situation? I haven't uh, communicated with him uh, since earlier this, this year. Uh, I spoke with the White House chief of staff yesterday and shared some of my thoughts and ideas and the economic impact of it, the long term. Yeah, well, it's going to be long term. All right. Uh, And it could also be issues with crime, finances. There are so many issues tied to this, as we just discussed. And would you want a migrant mega shelter in your neighborhood right near a family beach? Guess what? The answer is no. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lenny. Line three. Lenny, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. How are you? I'm telling you, this is a deliberate act. These are our replacements, these people coming in. And uh, you put a bunch of guys like that in one spot. That's an army just waiting to be told when to move. Biden is never, ever going to do anything about this. None of them will. This is some sort of plan that's been in place for 40, if not longer, years. And all these folks could talk and talk on our shows, and we listen, and it's just not going to help. I I don't even see a way out of this when the president has basically turned his back and become treasonous. You You know, it's interesting, and I rarely use that word, but I really do agree with you that it has been a dereliction of his duty. I mean, and and there has to be some plan in mind, like you said, because why else would you keep the border wide open? Why would you allow our citizens to be exposed um, and to be unvetted, these individuals? It happened during COVID. Now it's happening. Now it's continuing. It really is striking to me just what a risk we will feel for generations to come. We do not know who millions of people are in this country. We just passed 9-11, the 22nd anniversary. We better know who's in this country. Uh, We should have learned a lesson from that. And the fact that this administration doesn't seem to care is a huge, 
huge concern. I agree with you on that. Let's go to Norm. Line seven. Norm, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, my thoughts are this is an 1861 moment. Uh, this is uh, we're having a, uh, I don't know, beginning of a civil war, it appears to me. Um, Floyd Bennett Field. Is and, a, and by the way, I hope to God that that's not true. But but no, but it is concerning. Yeah, I, I, me too. Anyway, Floyd Bennett Field um, is a place I went when I was a kid. Uh, it's adjacent to the community. Could I could I can I go over, Rita? Yeah, you know what? Actually, stay if you're going to stay with us for a few minutes, because I do have to go to a break. Norm, I'll take you after the break, since you know the area well. We'll continue, everybody, on the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great law enforcement, our men and women in blue, a powerful story coming from Norristown, Pennsylvania, where a police officer who was conducting a directed patrol at a riverfront park, uh, which was part of his daily patrol duty, spotted a truck at the far end of the park atop a boat ramp and saw it begin to accelerate towards the river and ultimately into the water. So that officer radioed for assistance as the truck ended up about 40 to 50 feet from the boat ramp in the middle of the river. So other officers arrived, and they saw that there was a young female in the bed of the truck that was sinking. One of the responding officers, Edward Butterworth, I love the name Butterworth, uh, was an avid swimmer, and he saw that this was a life-threatening situation after hearing that the female did not know how to swim. So Officer Butterworth immediately entered the river after the girl's father tried to rescue the girl. The officer saw that both were in danger as the truck had completely submerged at that front, and the current of the river could easily have pulled them both away. So the officer bravely swam out to the pair, and he was able to guide both of them back to the shore safely. The young girl and her father were taken to a local hospital, and neither appeared injured incredibly. Officer Butterworth's heroic action saved the lives of these two people who possibly would not have survived if it not for his selfless and immediate actions. And it just shows uh, what a difficult and harrowing day every day seems to be for our men and women in blue. Well, as you know, yesterday was a very somber anniversary, the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, And one organization is making sure that we never, ever forget the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And they do a big walk run every year. And it is coming up on Sunday, September 24th. And all of us here at Red Apple Audio Network are encouraging all of you to donate to our individual teams with all of the proceeds going to the great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. So go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com and click on my picture to donate. Help me raise the most money here at the station because it all goes to this incredible organization. Let's never forget that they help America's heroes and their families and do so much. I have had the honor of knowing Frank Siller for decades And what they have done is just incredible. 
So let's raise some money, please, for our veterans, our first responders, and our 9-11 victims. Go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com. You can list your name or you can do it anonymously. Whatever you'd like to do, it is tax deductible. And again, all of it goes to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. So just click on my picture, walk.ritacosbyonline.com. And thank you for all you can do to help America's heroes. We are talking about the migrant shelters that are popping up everywhere, so it seems. And Norm, you are on hold. Thanks so much for waiting. Norm, you know where this new one is, uh, Floyd Bennett Field. That isn't, I shouldn't call it a shelter. It's like a, like a migrant mega city. Uh, so right. what is your reaction that you, this is a place you said you used to go swimming when you were younger, you know it, right. uh, to, now it's turning yeah. into a mega facility. Right. I used to, my mother, who was a wildlife rehabilitator, we used to take uh, the rehabilitated wild animals, uh, ducks and things like that and, uh, and possums. And we used to release them there. Um, anyway, it's a long time ago. But anyway, Floyd Bennett Field is adjacent to the communities of Georgetown, Mill Basin, Bergen Beach, Marine Park, and Garrison Beach. This is on the Brooklyn side. These are By the way, small... you know I was born Garrison Beach Marine Parkway, baby. Right. You know. Exactly. And and these com- these communities are 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 they're small, you know, people people have their homeowners there, their middle class community. I mean, the, the ethnic makeup has changed uh, than from when you grew up there. But still, they're homeowners. They're, you know, they, they, they're, they're living the American dream there. And now all of a sudden they have 7,500, an army of people who aren't working and who are completely unvetted, you know, loosed upon them is is really unfair, and it's unfair for our for our property value. It's unfair for our safety. It's un it's unfair on every level. And and you know, uh, there's a large shopping center there called Kings Plaza, and and I and I know that they're going to go straight for Kings Plaza, and it's going to wind up being some kind of a uh, I uh, they're going to be setting up on the street. Selling and bartering, and and it's it's gonna it's going to change the 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 it's gonna ab- absolutely alter these communities. And I just I what one thing that I notice is that they're not putting them on the Upper East Side uh, of Manhattan. They should put them on the Upper East Side or on the Upper West Side. They should, but you see those people, they don't want them in their neighborhoods, and they have the money to fight them. And I I just uh, you know it's it's. Uh, it's very unfair, and I can see it's going to drive me to move. You know, Norm, and, um, Norm you bring up a, a really powerful point of where they're locating them. You're right, because they are putting them in a number of sort of working-class locations, if you will, um, hardworking, great, you know, patriotic communities. Uh, but you're right, the Upper East Side, uh, those folks would say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, but you know what? Uh, they need to feel some of the pain in terms of having some of these shelters. It's not fair uh, that it goes to a Floyd Bennett Field or it's going to a Staten Island. I mean, it, that is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. I think no matter where it is, it is so unprepared uh, and not thought out in terms of the non-vetting and the locations. And uh, the whole process is just, to me, the whole thing is so nuts that we're now hearing about us being in a fiscal cliff and a security cliff, and it didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen. We never should have accepted them. We shouldn't have raised the red flag and then said, hey, come on over here, please. We're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. And now local leaders are wondering why they've suddenly appeared. 
and they're overwhelming the city? Well, because you invited them in. And guess what? Not all of us did invite them in. And I think we are going to feel the results, not just short term uh, to your beloved Floyd Bennett Field area, Norm, but also we're going to feel to, we're going to feel for generations to come. I really do, because these people are now here. There's no way to check them. There's no way they're not going to be showing up at court dates. Even the few that even actually have court dates, many of them don't. Um, and this, to me, is one of the most dangerous things that has ever happened to our country. And all these facilities should be, if they're going to be everywhere, they should be in every community, Upper East Side, Upper West Side, everywhere. So everybody understands uh, the impact of who they voted for and why these things have happened. And you know what? They better get out and vote next November because this is a crisis that it's irretrievable. It's irrevocable. uh, But at least try to plug the hole as soon as we can. And I'm talking about the border. Norm, thank you very, very much. And thank you for waiting, Norm, too. I appreciate it. Well, we were talking about Mayor Eric Adams, of course. And uh, this is what he said this morning. He said the migrant issues is what really upsets him because he's trying to figure out how to juggle it all. Take a listen to what he said. What keeps you up at night? Migrants. Mm. Issue. Wow, right off the top. Migrant issue. And it's not the migrants. What we're doing to the migrants, it is wrong. Um, The precursor to sleep that allows us to experience the American dream is the right to work. There's nothing more tragic than having people come to this country and say you can't provide for yourself. When I spent the night in the migrant shelter and spoke to migrants, they said, we don't want anything free from you, Eric. Mm. We just want to work. And for us not to do that, it is impacting long-term New Yorkers and it's impacting migrants. And guess what? The migrant issue keeps me up at night, too, but for different reasons. Because I say, send them back to the White House. Send them back somewhere to Washington, D.C. Do something. They don't keep me up at night because Eric Adams has invited them all into the city under the premise that it's a right to shelter issue, which a lot of people say is not the case. A lot of legal scholars say this doesn't fit the qualifications or mandate of a right to shelter. You know, what keeps me up is that they've crossed the border illegally. We have no idea who they are. And now you're setting up mega shelters at places like Floyd Bennett Field. That's what keeps me up at night. But Mayor Eric Adams listened to who he blames. Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bust people up to New York City. Hundred and 10,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the t- children, wash their laundry sheets, f- give them everything they need, health care. And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. So he blames the madman in Texas. He said, that's the guy who brings everything here. Well, the madman in Texas he's referring to is Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And Texas Governor Greg Abbott's basically only sent about 12% of the 110,000 that the mayor claims are in New York City. It's about 13,000. So that that's not the bulk of them are not coming from, quote, the madman in Texas. Well, the madman in Texas, the governor there, who is, you can imagine, if you think it's a crisis in New York, imagine what it's like on the border. 
Well, the madman in Texas responded to Mayor Eric Adams today. Listen to this. When I first heard about Frank Sinatra singing New York, New York, uh, when he sang, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. <laughs> well, the mayor may have made it to be mayor of New York, but he could not last a week in Texas. Mm-hmm. They have so few migrants in New York compared to what we deal with every single day, Jesse. Uh, it's just outrageous he would make a comment like that. However, i got to add this. What's maddening is the fact that in New York and Chicago and D.C. and L.A. and other places, they put out policies self-proclaiming that they're sanctuary cities. And they love to promote these liberal ideologies until they have to actually live up and apply them. It's clear that the policies of sanctuary cities and letting everybody live for free simply do not work. This is a day of reckoning for all of the United States, realizing that the liberal policies of open borders will not work in this country. Yeah, it is a day of reckoning. And I think it was a day of reckoning when the president took over and said, uh, what open border? And they still continue to say that. Mayorkas said yesterday, the country's secure. I'd love to know what he's drinking. It's too early for eggnog. Christmas isn't here yet. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in Dallas, Texas. Uh, that's where the madman from Texas is, right, uh, Michael? Call me Madman Junior. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll take, I'll take Eric Adams 110000 and raise him by $7 million. We, we can trade. Yeah, Read that's up. for sure. You know what? Team. How do you like it that he's blaming, he's actually blaming Texas and saying, wait a minute, you're sending them up. He only sent a smidgen. And he he doesn't seem to understand why they came to New York. It's not because, you know, people ship them. It's because the migrants felt welcome. They saw freebies. I don't blame them. They saw freebies. They saw New York City, uh, the lights of Times Square. They saw, hey, we'll give you a four or five star hotel. We'll give you a room service. I take that offer. Do you remember what the lights of Times Square looked like in the 80s? Yeah, you know what? I do. I do. I do. I I was a young child, but I do. It's going to go back, and here's why. I have a lot of dear friends in New York. I love this city. Before the pandemic, I was there at least every other other month. I'd spend five, six, seven thousand dollars in the city in a week. Do you think I'm going to come up there and spend that kind of money if I'm not safe? I don't know who's in my hotel. I have to step over garbage. I can't take a subway anymore. I have the cost to visit the city is now double for people to come in that don't live there. And I used to have an apartment in the city, so I know what I'm talking about. There's no way. So he thinks the 15% cut is going to be hard. Wait till the tourism conventions and everything else falls off. Yeah, you know what? I don't understand. You hit a great point, Michael, because I don't understand if I was a tourist coming from out of town. And it breaks my heart because I still love New York and believe in New York. But if I was a tourist and suddenly it was like, uh, hey, mommy, who's that guy down the hall with the MS-13 uh, tattoo? Uh, you know, I mean, I, or it's, I'm not sure if it says MS-13 mommy or it says Sinaloa. I'm not really sure uh, what the, what does that mean? What cartel is that, mommy? I mean, I would, I'd be scared to heck if I saw these people down the hall who you don't know. You know they haven't been vetted. We have no check of them. I'd be like, uh, let's go to another city. Four years ago, I'd ride a subway at 2 in the morning. I felt fine. Coming back from an event, would you ride a subway now at 2 in the morning? Heck no.
Heck no. And yeah. what a what a sad testament. Michael, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate your perspective from Texas. Thank you. Let's go to Gary in New Hampshire real quick. Gary, your thoughts. I'll make it real fast. Uh, I'm 60 years old, and I'm so glad there's a woman host like you because you guys are powerful, and there should be more women on the radio. Thank you, um, Gary. I love you. Gary, thank you. Very sweet of you. Great. I'm back and forth with uh, Boston Talk Radio and New York Talk Radio, and I want to share this uh, to your producer, now you. They're having a problem like crazy here in Massachusetts, and they're on a certain station. they got the mayors of towns on and councilmen. What their problem is right now is, of course, the migrant situation. But now they got the homeless veterans, and they got homeless people who are on the list and everything, and they just uh, put a bunch of migrants into the certain places, about over 300 people or more, and it's all chaos and everything. And what I wanted to say this, and I'll, and I'll just wrap it up. I'll hang up, wait for your response. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Because uh, after all, yesterday was a, a commemorative—I can't even say a commemorative day—but it reminds me of like what happened in Germany when Hitler had said, "You know, we will take from the blank, we'll take from them." And it was the night of the broken glass. I could see the, how veterans and regular Americans who've been here forever, all of a sudden, they've taken their frustration out. On migrants, because it's not their fault either. You catch my drift? Thank you. By the way, and Gary, uh, two things. First off, I never like comparisons with Nazi Germany because it's so despicable what happened during not, – I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying uh, what happened during Nazi Germany, is uh, that era is so disgusting and so horrible. Um, so I'm not crazy about the comparison. I, I think nothing ever compares to that disgusting era in history. Um, and I also certainly hope that people don't take it out on the migrants per se. That's why I think people that are protesting and speaking out about it, and, and believe me, I understand why people are, especially if there's a migrant shelter right next to their child's school or their child's beach or something or soccer field, which seems to be happening sadly all the time now in New York City and elsewhere. I think it's great that people are speaking of all different political stripes and ages, again, peacefully. Um, but keep your focus on the leadership and keep your focus on making sure it's peaceful and nothing gets out of hand. I don't, I don't blame again, the migrants for coming here. They see freebies. Uh, some of them are, you know, leaving tough economic situations, but that's not a reason to qualify for asylum. Obviously they see more opportunities. They see the perks here of coming to New York and everywhere else. And again, uh, I don't blame them for doing that. So I hope people don't actually get to that point. But I do think you're right that people are getting so angry and frustrated. The key is that you got to take that anger and frustration and put it to the voting booth. And when you go next time, uh, think about who is going to keep you safe. And that's who you need to vote for next time when you go to the voting booth. That is the bottom line. And in the meantime, let your voice be heard to your elected official and say, not in my backyard. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And coming up in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we will also talk about Biden cracking some jokes as he opens up his 9-11 address, which wasn't at any of the memorial sites or the White House it was in Alaska because he was coming back from a climate conference. It's sort of par for the course with this president. And we will also talk 
about now House Speaker Kevin McCarthy officially launching an impeachment inquiry, directing the committees to do that. What does this mean and where is this heading now for President Joe Biden, who is now tonight, according to multiple reports, really beefing up his war room of many, many attorneys knowing that they are going to try to fight every single subpoena tooth and nail that the stakes have now been raised quite a bit in the investigation of him and his family. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Suzanne in New Jersey, line five. Suzanne, you want to talk about the migrants. What are your thoughts? Uh, i got a bunch, Rita. Um, number one, of course, is getting them back on the buses and planes back to their countries of origin is the best solution. But besides that, how about uh, having politicians and their supporters in the blue states, especially who said they wanted sanctuary cities to uh, uh, volunteer to be sponsors for them, like the Giving Pledge did with the uh, billionaires and let send send them the bill. You know, not require everybody to pay for these expenses. Yeah, that's so a great idea. That's a great. And by the way, these people who have also big locations, you know, when they were in Martha's Vineyard, exactly. I thought, hey, go to Obama's location. Remember, he's got a lot of property there. Uh, but for some reason, they didn't want him in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, rules for thee, but not for me. Let's go to Denise real quick. Line one. Denise, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I didn't know. I didn't find out till you had that birthday bash that Chuck Schumer, of all people, is friends with John, excuse me, Mr. Kasmatidis. Well, and, and you know what? You know what? John is friends with everybody. Everybody loves John. And he tries to talk to everybody. Your thoughts? Talk to him and say, look, talk to the powers that be, not the president, but whoever is running the president, and say, this country is not going to be worth keeping if it's totally ruined by all these people Great points. Great, great points. I'm sure he has. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Coming up later this hour, boy, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, laid it all out. They just came back into session. Remember, the House just got back this week after an August recess that, of course, melded a little bit into September. But he came back and he said, guess what? There will be an impeachment inquiry now into President Biden. He directed all of the different committees And that's the one with James Comer, also Jim Jordan, also Jason Smith. All of them, respectively, have been now ordered to open an impeachment inquiry against the president of the United States. Here's the big announcement when McCarthy made it just a few hours ago. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. 
That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the President would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. And this is serious stuff because it definitely raises the stakes big time against the President of the United States. It gives more ammo in terms of getting subpoenas. It then also enhances the force, I guess, behind subpoenas. They will try to fight it tooth and nail, as they have been, every single subpoena for the president's bank records and the son's bank records and everything else. But Comer wasted no time and said, guess what? We're going to try to get the sons and we're going to try to get Joe Biden's brother, Jim, because both of them seem to have gotten a lot of money. I'm waiting for the grandkids' bank records to suddenly emerge because remember the bank? Who was it like the mayor of Moscow's wife? And a Chinese businessman, somehow some of that money ended up in different Biden family members and even some money that came, looked like from different business deals, according to Comer, ended up in the Biden grandkids account. That sure sounds awfully fishy to me. And you put all this together, I think an inquiry is absolutely the way to go, just so the American public has confidence in it. But good old John Fetterman who seems to speak like a William Shakespeare. Remember the debate? Where is that? Where is, I have to play the Fetterman line from the debate. Where is that Fetterman line, by the way, from that debate? Uh, the very famous hello, good night line. Because before we go to him, uh, he, of course, is the great debater, John Fetterman, that we know through the years when he debated with Oz. Remember, he opens up the debate. Hello, good night. Uh, this is the guy who, like, really has a mastery of skills. We'll get to that in a little bit because we're going to try to find it. Because when I talk Fetterman, that's all I think about is him there on the stage. Remember, they, like, buried him for months upon months, make sure they built up all the votes, you know, in support of him. Said, oh, he's doing great. He's doing great. And then he comes out in the debate and it's like, hello. Good night. You're like, oh, boy, this is going to be one of those debates for the record books. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. But anyway, here is Fetterman uh, today because Fetterman was asked about this move by Kevin McCarthy calling for an impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden. It definitely ups the antes. Of course, there's been congressional investigations. But to make it sort of now, quote, an impeachment inquiry, again, gives it more gravitas and more chutzpah, more resources for Congress to look into it. And good old Fetterman, well, he just thinks it's one big laughing matter. Listen to this. I'm asking about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment in, or has said he's going to. Oh, my God, really? Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Good old John Fetterman. That's how I felt when I was listening to him during the debate. I was laughing my ass off because, boy, he was like, that guy was like, whoa, that guy, you know, whoa, whoa. That's how I felt. And now he thinks that everything is so funny. I mean, to me, of all people, he should not be laughing. That is not somebody to be laughing about, especially the idea that the current president of the United States could potentially be you know, involved in bribery, influence peddling, pay-for-play schemes. Uh, And here he is during his great debate performance, John Fetterman. Who could forget that? Hi. Good night, everybody. Whoa, there it is. I said hello. Good night, everybody. He didn't even get a low out. He got high. 
Here it is again. I got to hear it. Good night, everybody. Yeah, now everything is a big laughing matter for that guy who had the laughing stock of debates uh, because of all the stuff he was going through. But he thinks, oh, no, no, no. How dare the Republicans look into President Biden in any shape or form when, boy, the evidence is so much stronger than anything we saw against President Trump in those sham of impeachments that they did against President Trump. Meantime, one of the big issues that you can make the case for against this president, too, and this is separate, of course, than what they're looking into, because this really would involve Mayorkas and others, is what's going on at the border. We're talking about what a mess it is. And here is Mayor Eric Adams uh, with something that is certainly no laughing matter. It is the effect that the migrants are having on New York City because of the cost of the migrants and his refusal to turn those buses around and planes around and turn the migrants around and send them back. He says, no, we all have to take care of them in New York City. I have to be honest with New Yorkers on what we're about to experience, a financial uh, typhoon, a tsunami uh, that I don't think this city has ever experienced. Mm. Uh, number one, the economic challenges, $12 billion. Every service in this city is going to be impacted mm-hmm. from child service to our seniors to our housing plan. Everything will be impacted. And we have a fiscal cliff that's about yeah. to hit us on the federal government. It is a mess. So where is it heading, guys? And also what a major disaster with clearly no end in sight and more migrant shelters popping up left and right. one 800 848 9222 Let's go to Robert in Suffolk, line eight. Robert, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. We don't have to take this lawlessness from the federal government, okay? Lock up all the illegal aliens wherever found and hold them. Well, but, but, but you know, Robert, you know, the problem mm-hmm. is, Robert, and you know what also or or keep what Trump was doing. He was talking about remain in Mexico. Uh, they don't want to do it. The problem is. If you have an administration that has no will to do it, then guess what? Nothing's going to happen. The leadership does not want it. They're embracing them. They want them to come here unvetted, unchecked into our country. I'm talking about the Biden administration, and they don't seem to have a problem with it. And that is a really, really sad reality. Um, You know, yes, they are here illegally because... They are applying for asylum or sneaking in without even, you know, escaping the Border Patrol because there's just so many of them. Uh, But 99 percent of them probably will not qualify for asylum under our legal rules. And they know it. And yet, if you don't have the will of the administration to send them back, it won't happen. Um, So instead, we're fetting them as opposed to locking them up. Um, And again, I don't blame them for coming. We've made it so easy to come into this country. Uh, They they the word gets out. Hey, the U.S. border is wide open. Come on in. Uh, So that's why they're coming. We've made it way too easy. Uh, Jack in Cleveland, line two. Jack, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, I want to ask you a very serious question. And I'll give you you a serious answer, Jack. Have you ever thoroughly studied and read and watched the movie Schindler's List? Yes, I have. Why? What are you talking about, Jack? It's coming here if it keeps up. It's going to be under communist control. It's not going to be Nazi. It's going to be communist. They want a violent revolution in this country, the communists and the Marxists. They're going to push it. All right. So here's here's the deal, Jack. 
By the way, I do think that there is some twisted logic as to why they are allowing all these people in the country, if that's what you're referring to. I will not. uh, I don't think that's anywhere near an equation to be able to put the two together. Schindler's List, uh, which was obviously one of the most atrocious periods in this history. And I certainly know about Schindler's List. I've actually met some of the children that were saved uh, by Oscar Schindler. So um, so I actually know it quite well, Jack. And I think that's I think that's a dangerous comparison. But I will say uh, there is a crazy methodology to allowing these people into the country unvetted, unchecked. And again, I don't blame them for coming, Jack. I blame our leadership for creating this crisis, allowing it and then suddenly putting them in the front of the line uh, well before American citizens. There's something that's just there's something so surreal about this moment and scary about this moment and at a time where, you know, we just passed 9-11. We are so worried about attacks on the homeland and protecting our borders. I have friends from all over the world, and every single one of them, even from countries that are that are liberal-leading countries and, and friends who are liberal-leaning, have said, what are you doing with your borders? What the heck is going on? No country in the world would allow what you guys are doing. And I honestly don't know what to say. I go, it's our administration. I mean, it really is. I actually do not know how any leader of this United States could want an open border. It's inconceivable. And the only thing I can think of is they want them to suddenly become American voters. They're going to try to get them legal and hope that they will somehow be sympathetic to them at the expense of American security. How sad is that? But I think that that's the reality, Jack. Uh, But thank you for the call. Let's go to Tony and Clifton. Line eight. Tony, your thoughts. Rita Cosby, um, how are you tonight? I'm good, but I'm fired up on all these mega shelters that are mega getting me mad. I hear it. So one of the things I remember from earlier in the summer, Rita, was that the city council, uh, and it was like the woman's name was Adrienne Adams. She actually she actually sparred with Mayor Adams on one of his clothes. He wanted to stop the housing bill for for people who were homeless and he wanted to come back on that package that was in july and she let him know that he couldn't do it and it was stopped she blocked him and one of the things i think i heard in in the conversations with captain cosby one of the hopes is that the city council actually comes forward and does some sparring with the mayor again because he seems to think he has free reign on this and the city council has nothing to do with it when in fact Back then, they did have something to do with that piece of it. What are your thoughts? You know what? I agree. I think they do have pieces of this. And also, uh, by the way, on the voting issue, too, uh, there's a lot of layers to this, Tony, because I think the city council does need to have some input here. I I think more politicians and also just in general, by the way, even separate than sort of the different roles that each plays, they're also clearly If there are more Democrats speaking out in, you know, the biggest city in the country, that has an impact. Um, But they need to have courage. They need to say, wait a minute, this just does not make sense. The problem is I don't see the city council, first of all, stepping up. I see some of them, uh, you know, to the left of Mayor Adams. I I mean, honestly, there are a few members who have spoken out. We just heard from uh, Joanne Ariola. She's a Republican. We've had on the show Bob Holden, Democrat. Uh, both of them, I think, are very common sense and care about their communities. It doesn't matter if there's a R or a D in front of their name. But I think most of the folks on city council, uh, they think it's great. 
I really do. And despite the cost and despite the issues, they think it's great. Because guess what? Uh, according to some of the rules, if these individuals get work permits, which is part of the reason I think they're pushing for work permits, if they get work permits, then they may be able to allow uh, vote in municipal elections. And guess what municipal elections are? For mayor, for city council, things like that. You hear where I'm going? I don't think they want to kick them out until after the elections. And all the city council are up this November. So they're thinking, let's keep them because maybe they'll vote for me, especially those who think uh, it's okay to endanger the homeland for votes. And that is what a sad testament, Tony. But I think I can't think of any other reason. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls, everybody, after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. As we are talking about law and order, uh, I thought it's important to mention the passing of someone who was a great friend to the Rita Cosby show. And I know so many of you always loved to hear his great words of wisdom and his caring for the community. Howard Safer, former New York City police commissioner, former New York City fire commissioner. Uh, he was police commissioner and also fire commissioner under then-Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And Howard Safer was just also a dear personal friend of mine, uh, one of the great heroes out there. And he and I are on the D.A.R.E. board together. Uh, I know his wife, Carol. And, in fact, we had a big WABC party. I invited him and his wife as my guest. He was one of the most special, incredible, patriotic individuals. And here's just one of the times where he joined us on the show last year after a shooting. What kind of screening goes through, like, you know, the background check? You know so well, Commissioner. What are some of the steps that maybe they would see? Obviously, criminal background, but what are some of the other things that would be flagged? Well, what would be flagged would be any criminal record, any involvement with law enforcement, any drug use. We do need to strengthen the red flag laws so that instead of following HIPAA regulations when it comes to people who are a danger to the community, we create a database of people who have been treated for mental illness because of violence. Right now, that doesn't exist. Think of all of the families that will never be healed. Think of all of the good things that some of these young people who have been murdered could contribute to society. It's just beyond the pale that we don't do something. And certainly politicians should step up and do what they need to do to protect the public. Bravo to the great Howard Safer. He passed away yesterday on 9-11, 81 years old, always a gentleman, always such a great lover of New York City. He loved this country, a great patriot and just a great soul. I just adored Howard Safer. And my thoughts and prayers, of course, are with his wife and his family uh, left us way too soon, and one of the great, I think, uh, titans of New York and one of the great patriots out there. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joaquin real quick in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Joaquin. Hey, Rita. How you doing? You know, I'm sorry. I do want to interject something. My parents grew up in Nazi Germany, and my grandfather, he was awarded their Medal of Honor twice in World War One as an officer, the Iron Cross, and he was a prominent official, had it all, nine children, and he was executed by the Nazis to help 
Wow. Oh, my God, Joaquin. Uh, wow, wow, wow in your history. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Amherst, New York, where a local World War II veteran celebrated his 100th birthday last week. And in honor of his service to our nation, he was presented multiple commendations. Naval veteran Thomas Richards, he's a longtime Amherst, New York resident, served in the U.S. Navy during World War II, joining at the age of 19. He was sent to Pearl Harbor shortly after December 7th, 1941 after the attack where he aided in the cleanup and critical relief efforts when asked what he wanted for his 100th birthday veteran thomas richards replied just another one and a crowd of friends family and media at the amherst senior center burst out laughing by the way for the past 26 years this veteran has taught an exceptional stained glass making class at Amherst Senior Center. Boy, I hope we are all as vibrant and as active at 100 years teaching a stained glass making class at a senior center and obviously sharp as a tack verbally as well. Well, upon completing his class, the veteran was then recognized, by the way, by multiple assembly members who presented him with a proclamation, service medals, and also a beautiful flag that was flown over the U.S. Capitol. What a gorgeous, gorgeous gesture for member of the greatest generation. And speaking of which, you know how much I love and appreciate our veterans, also our first responders, and of course, honoring our 9-11 victims. Uh, please, if you can, help the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. They have their big walk run. They do it every year, and this is one of their biggest fundraising events, and I'm really honored to be a part of it. It is taking place on Sunday, September 24th, and all of us here at Red Apple Audio Network are asking all of you great listeners around the country, and I think I have the best ever, clearly, uh, to donate to our individual teams. So you can go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Again, go online to walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Click on my picture and you can donate to help the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. This organization is one of the most incredible organizations out there. They do so much for our veterans, first responders, and 9-11 victims. Uh, they've given the mortgage-free homes. And, in fact, just yesterday alone, Frank Siller was telling me he gave away 22 homes, mortgage-free homes. Think about that, what that does. That changes a family's life that has lost so much and lets them know that that burden is off their shoulder to have to make the payments on the homes. Uh, it is just so powerful what they do. And I've seen the impact. I've talked to so many who have benefited from this incredible organization that has been a lifeline to them. So I encourage all of you to help out. Go to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, an organization that is so close to my heart and I know to so many of you as well. 
Go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Click on my picture and whatever you can do to help this incredible organization. We greatly, greatly appreciate. Well, all of you know that I care deeply, deeply about justice. And I think President Joe Biden should welcome this move because just a little bit ago, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy directed the different committees led by Jason Smith, by James Comer and Jim Jordan to open an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Now, the president has been stonewalling every turn. You could see it. He doesn't want to hand over this, doesn't want to hand over that. The DOJ isn't handing over stuff. The National Archives aren't handing over stuff. Biden family members aren't handing over stuff. They've been blocking every step of the way. So now by having this inquiry and sort of stepping it up, it will definitely allow Congress to have a little more power and a little more force behind their subpoenas. And they will finally be able to get to the bottom of it. There's a lot of stuff here. You got a credible FBI informant who says that the Bidens were involved in bribes and that there's actual audio tapes of that. You also have these suspicious activity reports. You've got that WhatsApp message, remember, of Hunter Biden saying, I'm sitting next to my father uh, to the Chinese rogue leader and saying, you better do what we're asking for, essentially, or else. There's a lot of stuff that just does not look good. And if the president has nothing to hide, He and the White House should fully cooperate with all the subpoenas, all the information, and let the American public see the information. And then the inquiry just turns out to be a bust. But if there's something there, we also deserve it to get to the bottom of it. And this administration, the Biden administration, should not be putting up blockades at every different direction. Why was the president saying he knew nothing about his son's business deals? He never met his son's business partners. Both of those things seem to be completely untrue. So there's a lot of smoke here. Is there a lot of fire? There very well may be. And the president better cooperate because you know what? This is something the American public deserves answers to. And he should welcome it. Again, if he did nothing wrong, hand over the documents and say, see, I told you. But if there's something there, he should no longer be in office. And all this should come out. And the truth should be exposed to the American public. Let's see where it goes. But stop the stonewalling, Mr. President. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And as we were saying, here is Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, announcing the impeachment inquiry just a little bit ago. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the president would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. And Kevin McCarthy, I thought was incredibly measured. When he made that statement, it wasn't like pointing the finger. He said, here's what we're looking at. Here's let's take a look. I would think the president wants to know the answers, wants to have those answers revealed. And he says already it doesn't look good. And there's a lot of money that passed through the Biden family hands. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments 
were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shale companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. And Senator Chuck Schumer, of course, the Senate minor, the Senate Majority Leader now, Minority Leader, of course, is Mitch McConnell, but the Senate Majority Leader, the Democrat, this is his reaction. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we've said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. That is ridiculous. Think about what they did to President Trump. And then this is a witch hunt. All this stuff, they would have impeached Trump about 10 times just on any of the details that they have discovered so far on President Joe Biden. But Joe Biden, I'm not even sure if he's even aware of what's going on. Because he was over in Alaska yesterday, which of all places, I love Alaska, but that's not where he should have been on 9-11. He should have been at one of the memorials. He bypassed it because he didn't seem to care. Uh, and what does he do? Just like, remember when that shooting happened, sadly, at the school? Remember in Tennessee? And the first thing he does, he gets out at the White House and he starts making the jokes about the ice cream. It was so ill-timed and so inappropriate. Then he goes over to Maui and jokes about how the ground is too hot. <laughs> Isn't that funny? They just had the fire. I mean, it's so there's something really obviously wrong, I think, with his synapse, with his brain. He's clearly degrading. He just has no clue that it's the most inappropriate, horrible times to be laughing. There's nothing to be laughing about on either of those occasions. And there's certainly nothing to be laughing when you're supposed to give a speech on 9-11, talk about the destruction that happened to our country. But good old Joe Biden, here is what he did. This is how he launched his speech about 9-11 yesterday in Alaska. It's shameful. Governor and I have something in common. We're both from Scranton, Pennsylvania. (laughs) I wish I had him playing in my high school ball club when I was playing. But I could have been an All-American. Ah, isn't that funny? That's just what we're thinking about on 9-11 when the president didn't even have the courage to go to one of the memorial sites didn't have the gumption, didn't have the wherewithal or the planning. And then he's joking about the guy from Scranton, just like him. Uh, So here is Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary. And this is what he had to say about that ill-timed joke by the president once again. Nobody's going to vote for Joe Biden. The question is, will they vote against his opponent, particularly if it's President Trump? That'll be the dynamic. But, Sean, when I watched Joe Biden on that stage today, I mean, how can you not reach the conclusion that the man is he's he's a few French fries short of a happy meal? A few French fries short of a happy meal. one 800 848 Let's go to Stan. Line one. Stan, your thoughts. Uh, let me put it this way. You when like you happy do, meals? Are you going to talk? Wait, I just want to ask, do you like happy meals? If you're going to do an impeachment process, you have to know what an impeachment is. Obviously, 
this speaker is below being a speaker, and so is Comer. Because when you do an impeachment inquiry, as they did at Nixon, you have the evidence. You don't investigate. That's not what the inquiry is about. It is about having the evidence going in and then bringing up the counts. This is the worst. You don't have the evidence. And the, by the way, the Republicans said it. The Republicans, a the majority of them have stated there is no evidence. They see nothing. So what the hell is this idiot doing? He wants to go through it? Fine. Okay, you want to go after the son? I got nothing against that because I think there may be legitimate things against the son. Oh, you think? Yeah, well, well, somewhat. But there is nothing about the father. They got nothing. They haven't showed nothing. And an inquiry is not for that. You have to come with the evidence and counts. That's what it's for. It's not to investigate. It never was. Look at the uh, Nixon uh, uh, impeachment. They had the evidence coming in. They talked about this uh, uh, situation and that. They didn't study who we going to investigate, Mr. Stan, Nixon. Stan, you, right. This is the biggest moron Republicans I've ever seen. All right, Stan, since obviously uh, you seem to know uh, the law so much better than every member of Congress, okay? Um, first off, they have a right to do the inquiry. And actually, they're being smart. They seem to be a lot more measured than Nancy Pelosi, your gal, who just went right for an impeachment. And guess what? The first impeachment was President Trump checking on the corruption of Joe Biden in Ukraine. And and the evidence that was there, that is nothing compared to what they have now. Are you kidding me? There's 150 plus suspicious activity reports from the Treasury you got the credible FBI informant saying there's audio recordings and the head of Burisma was saying he's basically being bribed. Five million for the father, five million from the son. And then you have thousands of emails with aliases. You've got uh, tons of meetings that the president says he never was on. Uh, the president's clearly lying, Stan. The president has said he never met any of his son's business associates, that's a lie. He said he's never talked to his son about business, that's a lie. His son has never gotten money from China, that's a lie. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on. It just begs the question, Stan, why? And you know darn well, if the name was Trump, they would have impeached him 10 times over already. So, Rita. you know, so don't give me this holier than thou. Go ahead, Stan. Rita, I think you're the one that's... Let's put it this way, okay, Rita? What did these people get if they if they paid them as you say what did they, they did get? pay them there's not what if did, i say Rita, what you, did they get what from the, they got what, a change got. in policy they got That's the firing a, you can't they, prove that. they they oh no you can't prove they, that. What are you they, they got they got here you know what the case is you know what i can prove stan the european union and the state department both said that that prosecutor should be kept on that ukraine had turned around at that moment they did not see the prosecutor That's not impeachable evidence but Rita. that but that is a lie Rita, from the president that is not impe- you've Actually, got nothing by the Rita. way nothing. no it is impeachable what bribery influence peddling if you those things if you t- can well, prove wait it wait a minute if bribery is based on the fact you got something and you get Stan, Stan, you're not what listening. Hang have? on. They clearly got a change in policy that this president did, and he never told the public that his son was raking in millions of dollars from a very corrupt leader in Ukraine, from the head of Burisma. I mean, it is clear as day. On the other hand, where I will say to you, Stan, is that I still think that there needs to be more evidence. 
I'm not one of those people that like is impeached tomorrow or any of that. But I think for you to make it sound like there's no evidence, that is incredibly naive because you absolutely supported the impeachments of President Trump. And this is 20 times better than worse, I should say, for the United States, but better of a case, uh, but worse for America than what we saw with Trump. He got impeached on a phone call looking into possible corruption of Biden with the prosecutor, which guess what? So far, it looks like Biden unilaterally decided, let's get rid of the prosecutor, withhold a billion dollars of aid, and let's get rid of the prosecutor because he's investigating the company that my son is raking millions of dollars on. And I don't know anything about the business. Meanwhile, it turns out on an alias email, he's CCing his son. He's sending him the proposed speech that he's about to give, uh, and he still wants us to believe he knew nothing. He's clearly, at minimum, lied to the American public. He's not this nice, sweet Mr. Joe that he's portraying to be. And I think it needs to be investigated. I'll give you, Stan, we're not there yet, but I think an inquiry is absolutely warranted because this White House is stonewalling. They have not provided the information. If they had provided all the information, then Congress, either we'd know one way or the other. Don't you agree the American public deserves to know wherever this goes, Stan? Yes or no? When you have an That's impeachment yes, Stan, process, Stan, I'm asking you, you a yes or no evidence. question. Don't you think we deserve to know where it goes? Yes or no? If where you have it goes? The evidence, yes. If you don't, there shouldn't be an impeachment process. They don't have anything. When they guess have, what? Guess the other what? They are stonewalling. If the White House was providing information, they wouldn't need an impeachment inquiry. They might go right to impeachment because it might be that bad, or they might drop it because maybe there isn't there. But they don't know. Because the White House seems to be fighting. And that doesn't sound so much like an innocent party. Let's just put it that way, Stan. If you, if you have nothing to hide, here, here's the records, White, you know, Congress. James Comer, here you go. Here are these records. Keep them. Look at them. Keep them sealed if you want. We don't even have to necessarily see them. But you know what? You, Congress, have a right to see them. It should show and it should put you to rest. Guess what? They're not doing that. That doesn't sound like an innocent party. That's all I have to say. We don't know, Stan, but let's see where it goes. And for you to be orange man bad, Biden great, uh, that is awfully naive. 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, I do like Happy Meals, even though Stan didn't answer that. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, tonight, I guess we're talking about happy meals and hypocrites. Uh, after Stan's call, boy, orange man bad, Biden is Pope Pius. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Mark, line three. Mark, your thoughts. Frida, thank you for taking my call. Uh, you gave it to Stan pretty good there. That's my statement, and I have a question here. I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that Hillary was at Katsimatidi's birthday, was she? Yes, she was. She popped in at the beginning because John has everybody there. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. You're doing a good job. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right. I guess we answered his question. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Uh, Now that we've answered the birthday question, go ahead, Pete. Hey, Rita. Everything's quiet over here tonight. I took a ride past uh, to St. John's Villa. It was quiet. They got loudspeakers lasting during the day, telling them they're not welcome here. You know, it's so hard. Everybody thinks that we're being cruel about it. It's not. This isn't fair. 
Yeah, it's, and uh, and you know what? Uh, you know what, Pete? You're correct because I know, um, and I know uh, John Tobacco and those guys are behind the message with different messages at the migrant shelters. I want to let people know, and you're doing it at the Staten Island one in a couple different languages saying, you know, uh, you should be going to New York City. This is not where you should be. Um, And I understand. I'm a big believer. As long as things are peaceful um, and it's also directed, especially also at the officials in terms of saying this is not appropriate. I mean, especially in Staten Island, you've got you've got that facility, the St. John Villa, uh, where they are. It's an old school. And there's two other schools like right across the street, active schools. I mean, it's crazy. I understand if I was if I was living there in Santa, I'd go crazy too. I mean, it is completely unfair, and I'm glad that like Vito Fasella, the Staten Island Borough President, and others, uh, Nicole Maliotakis, I mentioned uh, John Tobacco, so many folks that are out there uh, that are doing their part. It is so so important. Uh, let's go to Robert in Philly. Robert, real quick. I will be quick. Thank you for putting Stan where he belongs. The man is a blind hypocrite. Unbelievable. The evidence will come, Stan. And I bought my Trump mugshot from the Trump store so he would benefit. And in a couple years, I'll be buying Hillary's mugshot from the Trump store so he will benefit. Buckle up, Stan. Thank you, Rita. Wow. Uh, Stan sounds like he's going to get a wake-up call. Uh, But still, Stan, we love you and we love Happy Meals. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.